Startup Santa Show is about sharing the entrepreneur journeys and the lessons learned along the way. These entrepreneurs have done some incredible things and we are excited to share their stories. I'm incredibly excited to have you here today at the Startup Santa Show. We'll be talking with Lisa about her journey and those who have impacted her life. Lisa, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Why don't you go ahead and get us started and tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, I'm Lisa Chow and I'm a writer who has been published over 130 times in publications such as Forbes, Huffington Post, and US News and World Report on the topic of tables technology, academia, business, leadership, entrepreneurship, and strategy. And in fact, that's how I met you two years ago. We were both in New Orleans, or New Orleans, and I was probably near the food because that's where I always am. And we were um, at the finals for Startup Bus, and I was covering the event as press for the women in blockchain bus sponsored by IBM. I love it. That was an incredible event. I had the unique honor of being the captain or the um, uh, basically the organizer for the Tampa route, which was really cool to see. And then we met uh, four routes, including the bus you were on just outside in Biloxi and then went into uh, New Orleans for a few days for that final pitch event for two days where we got to see all the individuals who had been working for those last few days on a bus present on what they did so it was a really cool phenomenal event one of my favorites for sure and definitely had an impact on my life and uh, the incredible impact on the lives of the other participants well tell me a little bit about what what you do and what what has you keeping you busy now and especially with all of COVID-19 going on I am still working with entrepreneurs so I've been in the space for over 10 years now, writing, mentoring, and speaking. And so I've decided now to pivot into working more with entrepreneurs in terms of supporting what they're doing. So working more as a consultant and a career architect that really helps them create compelling stories about their businesses, how to establish credibility, how to showcase their leadership, and how to differentiate their strengths. I feel like a lot of founders think that you just need a great product or a great service and people will just come. It'll just happen and it'll happen overnight. So what we're trying to do is help them develop their story, tell their narrative, and help them build a community using those tools. I love it. Building your tribe, your community, and developing those right. relationships is a big part of what makes our world around us and helps mm -hmm. us to be successful in what we're trying to achieve. Well, tell me a little bit about how you got there. What was the, the story, the journey? What got you involved in, in this incredible opportunities that you're working on now? My experience, my career has been very non-traditional. I started out studying economics and I thought I'd go into banking, like everyone into banking. But even before that, I actually wanted to be a corporate lawyer. So I was studying philosophy. I was supposed to be a philosophy major in college. And then somehow I went into economics and thought I'd be a banker. Then I transitioned into marketing. Um, at some point, I decided I needed an advanced degree. So I went to Dartmouth College to get a degree. And again, 
I was going to study philosophy. Um, I had decided I was not going to go to law school anymore, but I genuinely love philosophy. So I went in there thinking that, but I ended up with a degree with a concentration in creative writing. And so, okay, graduated from there and decided I'm going to go write. So I came back to New York for about two years, I think, but I missed it so much. I went back to campus in New Hampshire and ended up working at the Tuck School of Business in their public relations department. And I took, I audited a class in entrepreneurship and I worked with a lot of the entrepreneurs, the students. And one of them actually became a co-writer of mine for a very long time for US News and World Report. And you can still look up those articles. And so I became much more immersed in that. And it just became something that I continued even when I returned to New York in 2013. I was going to endless hackathons. I was going to lots and lots of you know, networking events for entrepreneurs. I went to pitch competitions. I have judged pitch competitions. I even co-taught a class actually, again, with the same co-writer from the Chuck School about starting a small business. And my part in that, we covered different areas and I was doing digital strategy for small businesses, so. It's incredible. That's an amazing journey. And the impact that it has had on your life definitely shows. Can you talk a little bit about the individuals and maybe even some of the events that had the biggest impact along the way and, and why? The individuals that have been impactful? Dory Clark always comes to mind first. So when I was at the Trust School of Business, I religiously read Harvard Business Review. So every day I'd go read it. And I'm not a person who really follows writers because you know, of what they write. I just read what looks interesting to me. So every day I'd read Harvard Business Review and every so often I would, an article would stand out to me and I would look at the author to see who wrote it. I'm like, that's really good advice. And I think every single time it was her. She writes in a very, very clear manner that is accessible. And the advice that she gives is, again, very accessible. It's, it's very practical and it's very doable. And so she has impacted what I'm doing, one, in that she has created this roadmap that I want to follow. Like I want to do what she's doing. And so she's done it. And we, we have somewhat similar backgrounds. We both went to seven sister uh, schools and we both had very non-traditional career paths to where we, well, she's gotten there and I'm still pivoting towards that. Um, she's written three books. Entrepreneurial You was named the number one leadership book by Inc. And she guest lectures at top tier business schools like Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, Georgetown, and MIT. And I actually know her. I actually consider her a friend. Um, and how that happened was I, I would read Harvard Business Review every day. And I loved Twitter at the time. And I still love Twitter. I think Twitter is one of the 
most underutilized tools for business. And I would tweet to Dory Clark from Hanover, New Hampshire. And I think she was in New York at the time, but thanks to the internet, you can be anywhere now and connect to anyone, right? And so I would tweet at her and she actually responded. So here's this professor at the Duke School of Business writing books for Harvard Business Review who consults for Google and Microsoft and she's actually replying to me. And every so often I would write her and tell her how much I loved her articles. And when I moved back to New York, I actually met her. I was at her book launch, I believe for Stand Out, which was her first book. Great book, well, all of her books are great. And she introduced me to her tribe. So she introduced me to um, Tim McDonald, who at the time was the community manager for, oh, the name escapes me at the moment, but he was working for AOL. And so that was a great, that was a great introduction. And so I met Dory, I met people in her tribe and absorbed that. And Tim McDonald introduced me to Angela Myers, who works with high school students to um, support them in their emotional journeys and to reassure them that you matter. That is her, that is her platform, that you matter and everyone matters. And she starts off at the high school level for that. Um, other ways, the talk score really has been great for helping me with my tribe. So my supervisor at the time was Kiki Keating. And right before I moved back to New York, she was very supportive of this. She introduced me to David Garrison, who is also a Tuck alum. And he introduced me to Ted Rubin, who is of, he, I consider him a very good friend as well. He is an influencer on several Forbes lists. I think he's a power influencer. He's like top 20, top 15. And again, he's just very, very accessible. He's very friendly and he loves what he does. I feel I love that. Yes. That's really amazing that you started with Twitter uh, and right. have really grown this incredible community around what you're doing and built your tribe and connected to people that might have seemed unreachable or untouchable just by asking and reaching out, yes. uh, starting those conversations. That's incredible. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. I know you had a little bit more there. Feel free to continue. So I apologize for jumping in there. Now I could go on and on. I actually, <laughs> I love I it. But it was, it was cool story. It's so awesome <laughs> how you're like making all these connections and, and um, reaching out to people that, you know, most people are afraid to have those conversations. with. Actually, that's what I'm doing now. I, I'm telling you this before I'm telling my friends. Only about fewer than half a dozen of my friends know this. So I'm announcing this officially with you right now. I signed a contract two weeks ago to write a book about, thank you, about networking. And I'm really excited because I have a professional editor. I have a marketing team. I have a design department backing me. So these 10 years, I don't know if you could tell by the way I speak about it. It's just been, it's been invigorating to meet all these people who are doing things really well and doing things that they love. And so, as you said, a lot of people don't know how to get to that point to talk to people that they want in their tribe or that they want to be like, that are their role models. 
And so it just starts with talking. Just talk to them and build that relationship. And think more long-term. Um, another person that I can't even remember how I met him. His name is Brian Wallace. And he is the founder of Now Sourcing, which is an award-winning company that produces infographics. And I swear to you, I do not remember how I met him because I meet so many people. And he's been really, really impactful in my life as well. I think the first time, if I recall, we had a phone call because I was in New York and he's in the Midwest somewhere. And he gave me tough love. He said, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing and what I was trying to do. And he just said, well, why aren't you doing what you want to do? I'm like, do I even know you? What is this tone you're taking? Who are you? I thought I'd never ever speak to him again. Um, But thanks to Facebook, I actually do a lot of, of my work on Facebook. People don't believe me. You know, you always hear, don't spend so much time on Facebook. I get so much done on Facebook. So we're in a marketing group on Facebook and he pings me and says, have you submitted to speak at South by Southwest yet? And I said, no. He said, why not? Here's a link, go submit it now, you have two weeks. Like, what, who, (laughs) why is he telling me to do this? And I didn't think I'd be able to put together an application in two weeks, but because of Brian Wallace, I did. And I was a mentor at South by Southwest and it was amazing. And it really helps my um, experiences. You know, when people hear you went to South by Southwest and you were a mentor, you know, that really, that really helps. And it helps with credibility, which is what I'm trying to um, help other people with. It's incredible. The ability to, through relationship, build the bridges that you need to, to make the connections and to help you develop the credibility and the platform that you are is amazing. I truly believe that Facebook is probably one of the biggest connecting platforms, uh, even though there is a lot of garbage on there. Yes. The ability to tweet Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, these social networks put you in touch with people that you would have never had the opportunity to get in front of or reach out to. And you can do it for free, which is an incredible opportunity. And I think is what has allowed us to have this hyper-connected community. You know, they used to say seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Now it's down to three degrees just because of these hyper-networks and hyper-networkers that connect you into a much bigger community than you ever thought possible or we ever thought possible. That's incredible. Yeah, it's also great to keep relationships that you already have. So I met you two years ago and if the internet didn't exist, I'm not sure we'd be speaking today. Not because I don't like you, I like you a lot, but I'd have to go write a letter you know, <laughs> and fax it to you or something. I don't know, yeah. like you would think I was weird. It's like, why is Lisa faxing me again? Why does she fax me every two weeks? Right. right? Whereas with Facebook, you just have that background information stream that continually feeds into what you're looking at and it doesn't have to be intrusive and you can make it very informative. Yes, and it's personalized, whether we like it or not. They make sure that it's keyed up to things that you're engaged in. I do like the fact that they've been a little bit better about putting connections and your friends' content in front of you. 
which helps me stay connected to those people because I see what they're doing. I try to be intentional about connecting and posting on what they're doing uh, in a way that relates to whatever that conversation is. But as you, as you think back on this journey that you've had, what are some of the resources that you've had that have been most helpful for you and maybe some that you wish you had known when you started out? Again, social media has been really, really helpful for me. I created a TED Talk, not the traditional one. It's for TED Ed, so it's used in classrooms. And I had a team of animators animate my TED Talk, which is great because I have a very bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a fear of speaking. I just have a bad memory. And so I wrote it and they animated it. And the title of the TED Talk is Networking for Introverts. And people don't believe me when I tell them I'm an introvert. I do that Myers-Briggs test every so often. And I used to be staunchly INTJ. And I was very proud of it, INTJ. And I've inched to the border of E now. (laughs) So uh, anyway. I love it. I think those events that you've been going to are one of the catalysts for making that move. The individuals, even in a short period of time, who are intentional about making relationships and developing relationships, um, I think they're some of the most impactful in helping an introvert not necessarily become an extrovert, but understand what it takes to be an extrovert and start engaging in a larger group. That's really cool. I love it. I think it also makes it easier. It does. It's because barrier free, right? You're all there to achieve a goal and um, champion. I, I agree completely. Very cool. As you think back, I, you, you definitely bring a lot to the table with the skill sets and, and your love for writing. But are there any unique skills, skills that have helped you uh, really become successful in what you're doing? I think that people perceive me as being non-judgmental. So once they start talking to me, they open up because I will listen. You can be doing whatever. I mean, I grew up in New York, right? I spent spent my high school years in Manhattan and I used to hang out. Well, I don't know if you know the village, but there are all kinds of crazy people in New York, right? And some of these crazy people are my friends. And I'm okay with it. I consider myself one of these crazy people. So to me, you can tell me all kinds of things and I find it fascinating. So as opposed to thinking, I don't want to talk to this person, this person's crazy. It's more of a, wow, that's really interesting. Tell me more. So if you foster that kind of curiosity about other people, I think it opens up so many more opportunities to you. And I have taught myself, you know, we're very appearance-based society. You really have to teach yourself to break free from the subconscious judgments you make about people that your brain makes, right? It's, it's very hard to tell your brain not to make those judgments. That's what it's there for. It makes these shortcuts to make life easier. But if you, again, think more about the person you're seeing beyond how they appear, you can meet some incredible people. I've met people literally that look like 
scary vagabonds I would cross the street and avoid. And they turned out to be the most incredible, intelligent people. They're gentle, they're compassionate. They just don't care that they look like a vagabond, which is fine, you know. It's incredible looking beyond the cover of an individual to see what's on the inside uh, yes. is a, definitely a powerful skill set. Um, one that is seems to be fewer and fewer people who have that ability. Uh, as you think about the individuals that you've worked with, talked to, you've done a lot in the entrepreneur world. What are the most common reasons you see people giving up or failing at what they're trying to achieve? They think they can build the next unicorn overnight. I have this great idea. They don't do the research. You have to do the research, right? If you do the research, there are probably a dozen other companies that are doing this already. And you know, you think you're gonna go in and you're gonna change the world overnight. Again, it's always overnight. It's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> I worked in the cryptocurrency world for a while too, right? Now, where's my Lamborghini? You know, I bought all this cryptocurrency. I'm supposed to have a Lamborghini. And people don't understand how much time and how much work is involved. The execution takes so much time, so much effort, and so much thought. And again, you really need to know how to tell your story. Is it compelling? Why do I want to use your company instead of another company? Are you are you relating to my life? Are you solving a problem for me? That's one of the ways that people should look at their pitch as well. You know, it's always, I'm great. I'm great at these three things, which might be great, but it doesn't tell me immediately how you're solving a problem of mine in an elevator ride, right? If you start off with, you have this problem, I can solve it easily that'll interest them and then you can tell them why you're great or why you should be the one who's solving the problem and not your competitor hey true I, I, being able to connect on why you're doing what you're doing is a very foundation I, the way we communicate uh, simon Sinek has some phenomenal content on how that works and the emotions behind it his golden circle and communicating that as a business uh, it's definitely changed the way that I think about the way I communicate with others and the stories that I tell. As you as you think about that content, the messaging, and the way you formulate that, do you have any tips or guidance on how they are, where they find that why or how they articulate it in a way that people connect with? It's very important to produce regular content. Again, it's not an overnight thing. So you can write an amazing article and you'll have one article. <laughs> um, again, it could be great, it could be amazing, but people want to see the history. So in the crypto world, again, there, were, there was a lot of time put into the roadmap. So how did this, cryptocurrency begin? Why? So you start with the origin story, but then you have to give your investors a timeline of, you know, which milestone are you meeting now? Because you have my money. I want to know what you're doing with it and why. And so with 
startups, I think it's the same thing. It's what is your origin story? What problem were you solving? How does this relate to me? Is, do we have an emotional bond? And then what is the progress? And so you write about that and you produce content so that you're always in the back of their mind because people are forgetful. We, in today's society, especially minor society, with everything that's going on, even when it's not a pandemic you know, happening in the background, it's, there's so many distractions, right? Your phone is always on. Your phone is always needing your attention. And so you need to be able to have that kind of presence that reminds them that you're there and what you're doing. So I think it's actually funny. I talk a lot about business because I enjoy it and people bring it up um, because my Facebook, I won't assume that you follow my Facebook all the time, but my Facebook will have articles about that I've written or about something that I'm interested in business-wise. And that's not very common in Facebook. Most people don't use it for that, right? But I will write articles about tables, put them up. I will send photos from events that I'm going to, I'm pitching today, I'm mentoring at MIT, I'm doing whatever. Here's what I'm doing. And so in people's minds, I'm that business person. I work in entrepreneurship and they remember me for that. And I'm always happy when they do because it's funny that to me that, you know, here's proof that people are paying attention. They might not, they might not comment, they might not like it, but they see it and they'll mention it when the time is relevant. And it's not always relevant, right? They don't always need someone like me to help them, but when they do, they will remember it. So I'll tell you a, a good story of this. Um, I'm on Twitter and one of the best Twitter chats out there is Winnie Sun. She's a financial advisor who's been, he, she's appeared in major publications. And so every Wednesday at two o'clock, she has a Twitter chat. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I follow her on Facebook. And she had a question. I don't remember what the question was. It was years ago. And I'm reading the comments and John Lim decides to write about the Oxford experience. And I love being in academia. And I was supposed to go to Oxford for the summer when I was in grad school at Dartmouth. And so I asked her about this Oxford experience. So it's two weeks at Oxford and you're like a student. You get to stay in the dorms and you take classes across a wide range of topics like a student, but over two weeks. And I thought this was amazing. And so I'm talking to him about this and you know, it's fine, it's great. And a few months later, he introduces me to Clev Mesidor, who was a former Obama administration appointee. And she tells me that John suggested speaking to me because she was, she was looking for speakers for an event she was putting, she was putting together for Microsoft. And so because of that talk, which is completely unrelated to what I do, right? You know, we were talking about the Oxford experience. And somehow, you know, he remembered. I don't go pounding on people's feeds and say, you know, I work in blockchain. You know, if you ever need anything, remember me. 
I just do what I do. And it's in the back of people's minds. And when something comes up, they'll remember me and introduce me to someone. And that's how I ended up giving a talk at Microsoft at their Fifth Avenue flagship branch. Wonderful. Consistency and relationships, I think, is a, a big part of what has made a big impact in what you're doing. Well, as we come to a close, are there any last insights or thoughts that you want to share with our, our listeners? Again, Twitter. I'll leave you with this one story. Again, I'm at the Tuck School of Business, and Stephen Bates, who used to be a GM at Apple, he was in the area because his wife was giving a lecture at in Vermont. I don't remember which school, but in Vermont. And I would follow any tweets that would mention anything about the area or the schools in Hanover. And so Stephen asked what there is to do in the area. And I invited him to campus and I gave Stephen and his 11 year old daughter, a tour of the Tuck School of Business at the time. And this was 10 years ago. And we're still very, very good friends to this day because he happened to be in Hanover when I was in Hanover. And today I have, I've been to his house twice. I've met his wife, I've met his daughter and we're very good friends. Whenever he's in New York, we meet up. And he has introduced me to a cell seven, which is an incubator in the Greater Hudson Valley, which does a lot of work in social impact. So I'm speaking to them about possibly working with them because I'm very interested in social impact. And, you know, it's really, on the one hand, it's the friendships, right? I think you can tell from what I've told you, I really like people I can connect with. It's not just, you're amazing, help me. It's more of, I actually like you. I would hang out with you. I would have dinner with you. But it's also, yes, they actually try to help me, even when I don't ask for it. They will ping me on Facebook and say, did you apply for South of my Southwest yet? Why not? What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Just do it. <laughs> so I think it's important to be able to recognize people who would be good for your tribe and who would I'm used to tough love. I grew up with tiger parents, right? <laughs> so I'm okay when people do it to me, but people who are able to support you in the way that would help you with your career, but also that you can help them as well. I love it. Thank you so much for bringing such incredible content, thoughts and wisdom to this conversation. And I look forward to hearing and talking to you more in the future. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more? On Twitter <laughs> and Instagram, I'm Lisa03755. That was supposed to be a temporary handle. It's the zip code for Dartmouth. And at the time, I was a prolific participant in the Harvard Business Review chats that happened weekly, and they would retweet me a lot. And so now I can't change it because I don't want to lose those retweets. So that's my Twitter. And I have a whole new website that I just updated. The website is actually clovercanal2020.wordpress.com. And 
I think you asked me about how COVID was affecting my career. I was going to launch that website on St. Patrick's Day. Mm. And that's been pushed back and I have not launched it yet. But I'm working on this book, so that's fine. And you know about it now before all of my friends. That's exciting. Uh, I'm blessed to be able to share that with my community and all of our listeners. Thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you. We truly appreciate it and we hope to see you soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye. You've been listening to the Startup Santa Show, part of our 2020 Hindsight series, where we've been talking to entrepreneurs and those who have pursued their passion. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today. We truly appreciate your support and hope you stay safe in these crazy times around the world. 